Blame. Blame. Blame is a word that we all understand. We all understand it because we've used it. We have experienced it. And oftentimes we have cast it upon others. Blame just is deep within us. It's, I hate to say it, but I think it's part of our nature. It's just down here inside of us. You can go clear back to our first parents, Adam and Eve, way back at the very beginning. And when they had sinned, what happened? Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent. You've got to blame somebody or something. Cast blame somewhere else. It happens all the time. It, as a pastor, I see it over and over again. When, when two people, often two very nice people, get divorced. Not always, but more often than not, there's a lot of blaming. He blames her, and she blames him, or sometimes blame themselves. There's nearly always blame. Blame. When there's an accident, or somebody gets unexpectedly sick or, or dies prematurely, or, you know, unexpectedly. Uh, blame comes up so often. That, that word doesn't get used, but why did this happen to me? Or why did God do this to me or to us? Blame ourselves or, or blame God. But blame. Blame. I'm reminded of that poem by Sidney Carter. Some of you probably know it. Uh, it's God they ought to crucify instead of you and me. Do you know that? that I want to read it to you. <clears throat> it was on a Friday morning that they took him from the cell, and I saw they had a carpenter to crucify as well. You can blame it on the Pilate. You can blame it on the Jews. You can blame it on the devil. It's God I accuse. It's God they ought to crucify instead of you and me, I said to the carpenter hanging on the tree. You can blame it on the Adam, you can blame it on the Eve, you can blame it on the apple, but that I can't believe. It was God that made the devil and the woman and the man, and there wouldn't be an apple if it wasn't in the plan. It's God they ought to crucify instead of you and me, I said to the carpenter hanging on the tree. By the way, there's two more verses. No, I'm not going to go there yet. Blame. We blame. Even in international relations, this business in Ukraine and Crimea right now, so clearly, the West blames Russia for seizing the Ukraine at, at, at a certain time. What does the West do? Or what does Russia do? It blames the West for fomenting a coup in, 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 in Ukraine. Just depends on which side of the street you're on. The blame, there's always blame, blame, blame. Blame. <laughs> See it over and over and over again. We find ways to blame. Why do we do that? I think there's a couple of reasons, a couple of reasons. The first, of course, is if, if we can blame somebody else, then it, we're not guilty, huh? If you can put the blame somewhere else, then it gets us off the hook. That's the first reason. But the second, I think, is 
just as important, maybe more important, it's because we want to understand. In, in fact, we want to be like God, knowing good and evil. And if we can cast the blame somewhere, then that means we, we understand what happened. huh? If I can blame something or someone, then, then I know that's why it was. It's not inexplicable. Or it's, it's not something... I'm in charge, if I can understand. Well, after all that, let me come to the Gospel for today. Jesus and his disciples were walking along one, one Sabbath, and they came upon a man who had been born blind, blind from birth. And his disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, the first thing we don't want to do, I, we, we need to be very careful. We, we, we don't want to blame these disciples for their question, okay? Don't blame them for, the, for their question. It was a reasonable question. It's a question some of us might even ask. It's a question that was very common in those days because it was assumed that if someone was ill, if there was a birth defect or, or, or some, some tragedy, that someone or something had to be responsible. And so they asked, who sinned, this man or his parents? And not only that, it's a good question because I looked it up and I found three or four places in the Old Testament where God says, God says that he would visit the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of the children. So they weren't, they weren't nuts. They were asking a, an important question. Who sinned, this man or his parents? Who's responsible for this? And actually, sometimes we can name the blame. And sometimes we should name the blame. Sometimes we just need to say it. I think I mentioned this another time. My best friend from school, since I've been a kid, known this guy for 60 years, he's dying right now from lung cancer. He smoked for 50 years. Why is he dying? I'll tell you why. It's to do with tobacco and an addiction to tobacco. Huh? I, I, I can blame tobacco for that and his inability to give it up. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Just this week, a couple days ago, Diane and I got, got uh, we, we're still in the prayer chain from our home congregation, and another man there, a man in his mid-50s, same thing, lung cancer, and he smoked for 30 or 40 years. Can we cast blame for that? I think so. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It was wrong, foolish, Stupid to smoke for 40 years? Forgive me if I'm stepping on anybody's toes here. We have a lot of smokers in here, I don't know. Anyway, sometimes we just need to name what is wrong. About 10 years ago, in our little town, there was a tragic boating accident. Two families were out on a Saturday night boating in a high-powered speedboat, and, and that boat turned right into a straight bank and smacked into it. It hit the bank so hard that this boat had a high-powered V8 engine in the back, drove that V8 engine all the way through the boat up into the bank. Two of the men were killed. One of the, one of the women 
has made an invalid, brain damage, she'll, she'll be in a nursing home the rest of her life. The other woman and two children uh, survived with minor, minor injuries, although the one woman would have drowned had her 10-year-old son not pulled her out of the water. Is there blame? I can tell you what to blame. Alcohol and too much horsepower. They don't go together. Doesn't work. Too much alcohol, too much horsepower. So sometimes we can just say what's wrong. There's nothing. That's okay. That's not what Jesus did. Actually, no, that's not what Jesus did. Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents said he was born blind. And Jesus said, this is not about him or his parents. He's born blind so that the power of God might be revealed in him. You see what he does? He just takes all our assumptions and turns them upside down. Upside down. That's not to say that, that, that there might be some blame. I don't even know. We don't know. Like, like last week. Some of you were here last week. The woman by the well married five times. You know that? Five times. It's mentioned. But you know what? He doesn't even talk about that. He just changes the subject and goes somewhere else. He's not in the blame game at that point. And he's not here either. He spat on the ground, made some mud, rubbed it on the man's eyes. The man went to the pool of Siloam and came back seeing. It was a miracle. Something wonderful had happened. His life was changed. It was a whole new beginning for this man. Everything changed. The power of God was revealed in that act. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus didn't spend his time trying to decide who was guilty, who was to blame. He healed the man. Just as he, all the way through the Gospels, he reaches out and touches lepers. He forgives people who are sinners. He, he cures broken limbs makes the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. He doesn't ask who's to blame. He works the works of God. Works the works of God. Which is exactly what he, he wants to do with you guys, too. To love you, forgive you. Everybody here comes with sins and failures and things for which you could be blamed well blamed. That's not why we came here today. We didn't come here to blame you. We come here to say, your sins are forgiven you. You are loved. You're children of God. The gospel two weeks ago, Jesus said, Jesus said, the Son of Man came into the world not to condemn the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might have life through him came to give you life, forgiveness. And I'll just go a step further and say that you might be changed into people who are looking to work the works of God. And, and you know, that's just a whole life-changing thing. You can spend your life blaming other people, uh, looking for blame, trying to find out who's to blame, but how much better it is when there's a tragic, sad, bad situation to say, now how in this situation can we work the works of God? 
How in this brokenness, and, and heaven knows there's brokenness all over our world, there's sin and pain and sorrow, how in this situation, in, in a divorce, in a sickness, in a death, any kind of tragedy, how can I be a disciple of Jesus, one who is working the works of God, bringing joy and light and forgiveness and freedom? How can I do that? What a difference it makes. What a, what a difference it makes to bring that love of God, that love of Jesus, into our world and share it with other people. When I talked to the children, I mentioned Joseph. And that, that story is, that's, this story is out of that story, or that story is out of this story. Joseph says to his brothers, you meant what you did for evil, but God meant it for good. And out of their, their treachery to their brothers, God saved a whole people through the work of Joseph. It would have been so easy for Joseph just to blame his brothers. They deserved it. They deserved it. But he just didn't go there. Like Jesus, he turned it all around. He saved not only them, but the whole family. And Jesus himself. Those who, who, who witnessed all this were so keen to find out who was to blame. They didn't believe the miracle. They knew that Jesus shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath. That was wrong. He shouldn't have done it. There's got to be some blame here. They simply couldn't see what was happening. In the end, they killed him. You know that. They killed him. They killed him because he was healing on the Sabbath and touching lepers, forgiving sinners, eating with the wrong kind of people. They killed him. And I don't want to take a thing away from that. It was a tragic, awful, ugly death. It doesn't get much more tragic or awful or ugly. It doesn't. Crucifixion is one of the worst ways in the world to end a life. It's terrible. It's ugly. And yet, in that death, Jesus was loving you, sealing his promises to you. And in that death, in the death itself, he's passing through to a life, an eternal life, so that he's with us always, always with us, always the resurrected one, always the one who forgives and loves and heals. Not just a long time ago, but today. You. Wherever you feel that blame, that shame, that sorrow, his love is for you.